Hey, I'm Pastor Rhonda. And I'm Pastor Seth. You're listening to Growing Hope. Living Faith. Well, welcome back to Growing Hope, Living Faith. This is a special edition. Yes of Growing Hope, Living Faith, and we hope to be able to do these a lot more down the road, Um, but essentially today is about an interview that we um, have recently done, and we wanted to share it with you guys. Right. It was such a great interview. Yes, it was. Um, Just amazed (laughs) that that we were able to do this, and so thankful to Dr. Carla Sundberg and her time that she spent with us, Mm -hmm. and the words of wisdom that she had. Um, so for those of you that may not know Dr. Carla Sundberg, um, or you may not run in the Church of the Nazarene Circles, um, Dr. Carla Sundberg is a, she was the 43rd General Superintendent of the Church of the Nazarene. And so essentially what that means is we in the Church of the Nazarene, we have six general superintendents who oversee the whole function mm-hmm. of the global Church of the Nazarene. And, um, and she was elected the 43rd. She is the second elected um, female GS that we have. So Nina Gunner was the first, and so she is the, uh, the second one that was elected and uh, has been serving uh, since 2017. Um, and her story is, is phenomenal. Um, right. She's pretty much done it all. Um, yes. She was a nurse, started out, um, felt called, and transitioned into studying um, ministry and theology. Right. Uh, and then she went on and even got her doctorate um, in historical theology, Wow, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it is great. I mean, plus, I mean, there's just so much. I mean, she was the director of Compassionate Ministries yes. at one In Russia, yep. yeah. Served as a missionary in Russia. Yes, yes. She's an author, speaker, mm-hmm. yep. you name it. Yeah, and um, she talks about a book um, in that we talk about, and we'll have a link to all of that down below. Um, but yeah, she's written several works that are, are, are very good, and you should go check them out. Um, yeah, one is called Reclaiming Eve. That's a great mm-hmm. Bible study. Um, the book I think that you just referenced is called Faithful to the Call. Mm-hmm. And she was the editor where she gathered uh, scholars, pastors, and ministry leaders, just experts, yep. and they make a wonderful case for women in ministry. So I That's highly, right. highly recommend that book. You can get that on the Foundry or Amazon. But yeah. And we will link the Amazon at least in, in the, the description below. So if that's something you would like to check out, we would encourage you to go do that. And uh, especially with Women's History Month, um, yes. like, man, maybe there's no better person uh, for us right. to be able to interview uh, than Dr. Carla Sumberg. And so, um, man, we hope that you are encouraged by what you hear today. Um, we hope that you enjoy um, and uh, we're hoping challenged at the same time because this is this is a challenging conversation, I think, for all people. And um, I'm thankful that women are going to hear this, but I'm praying and hoping that the men in the audience also hear uh, what Dr. Carla Sundberg has to say. So enjoy the interview, and um, here we go. You are a general superintendent in the Church in the Nazarene, and I'm just kind of curious to hear your story about how did you get there? <laughs> Well, that's an interesting question, yes. and uh, and it certainly is not an easy answer. Um, a number of years ago, I was president of the Nazarene Seminary in Kansas City, and I had a student come up to me and say, has this always been your career trajectory? And I said, well, certainly not. Mm-hmm. So um, I started out, when I went to college, I was a nursing major, and really felt that God had called me to study to become a nurse, and so I did. But um, part of that was that I always felt called to ministry of some sort. And um, at the time that I was growing up and I was in college, I never saw a woman preach. I never heard about women preachers. So I didn't really know that that was an option. And while I felt so called to ministry, um, 
I thought, well, the best thing to do is to marry a minister, right? <laughs> so the Lord brought a great minister into my life, and that's my husband. Mm. And we've had the joy of serving together in ministry now for about 40 years. So that's been a joy. So I started out as a nurse and a, tried to be a good pastor's wife and help out. You know, I played the piano. I led the teams. I did all kinds of stuff mm. and, um, and worked as a nurse to help financially to support us because – you know, you don't make enough as a minister. Right. So then we um, <laughs> we we ended up in Austin, Texas, and had our two little girls down there. And while we were down there, the leader of the World Mission Department reached out to us one day, and it was in 1992. And that, I mean, it was in 91. In 1991, in August, had been an attempted coup in the Soviet Union. And the doors were kind of opening for churches to be able to go there. And the head of our church of our missions department had just gone to Russia, Ukraine, Albania, and he wanted to tell us about this trip. And we thought, well, that's interesting. Why is he telling us about this trip? We were enjoying ministering in, in Austin, Texas. And he got to the end of the story, and he said, we've been praying about who ought to move to Russia and begin the work over there. And he said, my wife and I sat behind the two of you at a service last night. We were at an evangelism conference. And he said, and the Lord seemed to say, those two are the ones that are supposed to move. Wow. To Russia, and he said, "We don't normally do it this way." He said, "But I'm just asking you whether you would pray about moving to Russia and beginning the work there." Wow! So, in 1992, it was six months later. We packed up with our two little girls, left Austin, Texas, which we loved, and we moved to Russia. Wow. At that point, um, there was a gentleman that was head of Nazarene Compassionate Ministry, Steve Weber, and I had met him. Um, he was just an amazing man, and I have to be thankful to him. There are many people that kind of opened up pathways in my life. Mm. Well, he talked to the regional director from Eurasia, and he said, do you plan on giving her a job? <laughs> because, you know, we tended to just give the guys a job. or And uh, he said, I think you ought to make her the director of Compassionate Ministry. Mm. He said, because she needs something that she's going to have to have for her to do. And I thought that was so insightful because I would have been lost if I didn't really have an assignment and I had been um, successful in nursing and been a supervisor and stuff. And so um, I really tackled being the head of Nazarene Compassion Ministries for the former Soviet Union, working together with my husband, mm -hmm. and did all kinds of humanitarian work. We had huge shipments of humanitarian aid that would come. I helped to lead a nursing program, uh, kind of... Uh, a continuing education program for Russian-speaking nurses and just all kinds of stuff that we did over there. But along the way, that yearning to um, to minister, I mean, it was always there. I always wanted to minister. Mm. And one day, we were home in the U.S. on furlough, and my husband says to me, you know, if you would have been a boy, you would have been the preacher in the family. <laughs> And the truth is that I have three older brothers. My dad was a minister, and, um, you know, surely one of them should have had the call to preach, but they didn't. Right. And when my husband said that, it was almost like I could hear the voice of the Lord say, so why aren't you? Mm. And I really had to, you know, and I said, well, Lord, you know, um, I am a girl. Maybe you've noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> and yet the Lord was just, um, saying, that's not an excuse. Are you going to be obedient to what I'm asking you to do? And then I also heard the Lord say, submit to the system. Mm -hmm. Very clearly. And I thought, 
okay? Because by that point, I was a missionary. I was doing a lot of missionary work. I'd come home to the States, and I would speak all over the place. And I thought, submit to the system. I mean, that means I've got to go through the whole course of study and all of that stuff. Yeah. Wow. I had actually started a master's in healthcare administration, and I told my husband, I said, I think I need to stop that. Mm. And I think I need to go to seminary. Now, we're living in Russia. <laughs> and he, we were starting a whole program for training up pastors in that part of the world. And so um, my husband at that point, he asked me, he said, could you take over that program of theological education? He said, I need you to help organize it. Um, I did. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to develop a Russian-speaking faculty, people that would get master's degrees. Well, that we, um, we have seven of them. And so I would come to the U.S. twice a year, and I went to seminary with my native Russian speakers from Russia and Ukraine. Mm. And we all went to the Nazarene Seminary together. Wow. And um, I started at age 39. And oh, wow. by then I, I felt older, that's for sure, you know, and wondered, <laughs> can I be as bright as these young students? It was a challenge for me. It was a real challenge going from the medical world to theology. Right. But the Lord helped me. And finally, I finished all my studies, and um, I was ordained in Russia in 2004 together with my Russian-speaking friends. We were the first group of ordinands on what's called the Russian North District. So my ordination certificate is here in my office, and it's signed by my husband, who is my district superintendent, and one of my Russian best friends, who is the district secretary. So that's pretty cool. Wow. That is so cool. So that was, you know, that was part of the journey. So the thing about being a general superintendent, that would never have been on the radar. I mean, you know, now here I am, this middle-aged mom, and um, I thought, great. You know, I've kind of done what I was supposed to do. I've gotten ordained. The Lord brought us back to America, and we ended up at a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Honestly, the church wasn't quite sure what to do with me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what do we do with this pastor's wife that's an ordained minister as well? Mm-hmm. But they made space for me, and my husband and I pastored there, and um, it was a good experience. But during that time, my husband and some other friends really encouraged me to continue my education, and I thought, you got to be kidding. That was hard enough to get that right. master's degree. But um, during that season, I ended up starting a Ph.D. program, in historical theology through the University of Manchester, the Nazarene Theological College in Manchester, England. And I would go back and forth and did that over a period of six years. And um, the Lord used that to really shape and form my life in so many ways. Mm. And then um, at the end of that time, the church appointed us as co-district superintendents of the East Ohio District. And they'd never done that before. They'd never had co-district superintendents. But evidently, both of us were on the list separately to be district superintendents, and we were both on their short list, and I guess they didn't know what to do with that. So they said, how about we just get both of them? So we did that. That is awesome. Also, in the meantime, and this is why God knits all this together, because we could never make this up, but um, I was elected to the board of trustees of the seminary in Kansas City, where I had just recently graduated from. Now, my gr- husband had graduated from there back in 1985, so we had great contact with the seminary and all of that. Um, and then in 2013, 2014, there was a transition at the seminary, 
And um, I think they felt like, hey, she was able to raise money and bring students, and maybe that's what we need in a president. So they elected me president of the seminary. Wow. So when that, when that, and that was just 10 years after I had graduated from there. So when that student asked me if this had always been my career trajectory, that was funny. I thought, yeah, right. you've got to be kidding. <laughs> you know, and then from there to be elected as a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, um, very, very humbling. I mean, it's, you know, again, it's not anything you ever plan to do. Mm-hmm. And what, what's fascinating is my dad was a general superintendent, and I'm the only child of a general superintendent ever to be elected, and it shouldn't have mm-hmm. been me. It should have been one of my brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when, when my dad died a couple of years ago, I was going through all of his things, and there was a picture from the night of his installation as general superintendent. Mm. And I'm 18 years old, and I'm standing up there on the platform by my dad. Mm. And I just thought, who would have ever imagined? Nobody. Nobody would have ever imagined. So, you know, it's one of those things that you just say, this is is what God does, and Mm. we just trust God for what God does. So Mm. that's how I ended up here. That's wow. beautiful. Yeah, what a story. And as you were talking, um, in fact, you just said something along the lines, um, who would have ever thought because you were the, the, the girl in the family. That's right. And you hadn't seen ladies preach before. And, you know, this you've been in the Church of the Nazarene, and it has always been our policy, our polity, that we ordain women. But yet there you were, and you couldn't even imagine it well and i think what really happened in the life of our church is that we had a lot of women clergy right at the beginning but there came a period of time probably post-world war ii where we didn't encourage that many more women to go into ministry so by the time i am coming of age it's kind of like the first wave of women clergy are starting to kind of die out Mm -hmm. and by 1990, about that time, um, we got we had gone all the way from having about 30% women clergy in the Church of Nazarene down to about, I think it was 2.4%. Wow. In other words, pretty pretty much getting to be almost extinct, which is why during my season of growing up, I didn't see very many because we weren't calling them up. Mm-hmm. But there came a real transition about that time. There was an organization that developed Wesleyan Holiness Women Clergy, mm-hmm. and they brought together all the Wesleyan Holiness denominations, and they said, you know, if we do not emphasize the place of women clergy in our churches, they will become extinct, and there will not be a place for them. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, actually, it was kind of a reaction against some of the action taken in the 1980s by the Southern Baptist Convention mm-hmm. when they took took the credentials from their women who were ordained and um, just saying, you know, that influence will creep in and we won't have women clergy. And so today, you know, we're back up to about 17, 18%, which mm-hmm. is good. So we're seeing that number really bounce back up. And I think God's just, man, really opening doors for for his daughters to be participants in this mission. And can you speak a little bit to the reason why it it is important to have the voices of women? Well, I mean, one reason I think is, is, is pretty obvious is that um, most of our churches are more than 50% female. Mm -hmm. So the people that go to our church are, are, are majority women. And so I think it's important to have women's voices representing the women that attend our churches. That's one reason. But the second reason is really 
It is to provide for the full reflection of the image of God in mm. humanity. Yeah. God said, let us create the humans, male and female. They, cre- they created them, or he created them. Um, and actually, in that beginning, there's a plural form for God used there, so we believe that it's the triune God speaking and saying we need to have the full image And that full image is male and female. Mm -hmm. And so for the full image of God to be visible in the life of the church means that we need to have women in in places of leadership. Now, the thing is that it's not a man versus woman or woman Mm -hmm. versus man kind of thing. It's actually God's divine plan that when men and women partner together, there is a synergy that is created Mm -hmm. by the full reflection of the divine image of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we need to understand. This is not a feminist political ideal. This is biblical. You know, and then we see that that all comes to fruition on the day of Pentecost. Right. When Peter gets up and preaches, and he quotes from Joel, but in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Mm. My sons and my daughters will prophesy. That everything was changed in that, and, and that that restoration of humanity and the image of God was now fully possible through the divine presence of the Holy Spirit. And so this is, um, our presence as women clergy is a physical and visible reference to what we believe theologically. Mm. Right. That's so good. That so good. So I'm good. just taking it in. <laughs> I'm breathing it in. Yeah. So I was looking at the book um, that I mentioned when I emailed you, The Faithful to the Call. I, I love the book, uh-huh. and I would love for that to be a required reading. <laughs> it's so good. But it there was, be. Yeah, there was a quote that says, The church is healthy when God's sons and daughters are united together in the work of God. But the opposite is true. When the partnerships are broken or strained, the church itself suffers. That's where champions step in, becoming voices in the spaces. Can you address a little bit um, what you mean by the champions that step in? Who are these champions and what are the things that they could do to be able to make that number? I think you said, was it 17, Mm -hmm. 17%? How can we make that number rise? Um, Speak to the champions. Well, there are a lot of different champions. They could be male or they could be female. I would say in my own life, a lot of the champions have been male. And my husband is one of those champions. So, for example, my husband, you know, he kind of jokingly uses what John the Baptist said about Jesus. I must decrease so that he may increase. He says, you know, I have to decrease so she can increase. But there's truth to that. I told you I married a minister, and he's a great minister. And in many ways, he has just as much skill and ability to be sitting here as a general superintendent as I do. I mean, he's gotten votes for general superintendent himself in the past. Mm -hmm. And yet, he has intentionally chosen to step back because he wanted me to have space to become everything that I could be. I mean, that's, you know, and, and there are some people that couldn't do that. And I I know my dad used to talk to him and just say, I just think it's amazing what you're doing. And my husband would say, this is what I feel like I'm called to do. It's not just him. It's it's also a dear friend over in England, Dr. Kent Brower, who's the one that I joke about being the giant thumb in my back about my PhD, but he believed in me. Mm. And I never would have done it if I didn't have people that believed in me. 
and he said, come on, you can do it. Let me help you get through this. Let me help you think through it. And, and he did. And I mean, what a champion. Mm. There were, um, there were people on the board of trustees of NTS that were champions who said, we want her to be our president. Mm. And they went out on a limb to say that. Wow. You know, so it's, um, yeah, it's just really interesting there. So I think, and, and then, you know, what does it say to me? Well, it says to me that I, I am here where I am because of the work of God, because of the work that people have done, the doors that people have opened for me, but I'm not here just on my own, right. you know, it's not just about me. And so the question is, what am I going to do? for the next generation or for those who come after me, mm. I have to be a champion as well. Right. Right? Right. right. And so I have to make sure that I provide opportunities or encourage people or open doors or have, you know, say to people, have you thought about so-and-so? Those are the things that we have to do. And it takes people being intentional. Mm. Part of the reason for the intentionality is that at least for women, we don't naturally end up in some of the spaces where people know people or where decisions are made. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I've learned, like, the district superintendents in the United States and Canada, there's a whole group of them that love to golf together. Mm. Well, they have all kinds of relationships because the guys get together and the guys go golfing together. But, and that's hours of conversation. But that's not a space that I'm invited to be a part of or that I maybe even want to be a part of because (laughs) that's how I'm good at it. But, but, um, there's just, there are natural spaces where relationships are developed. Now, I was at a conference the other day, and we all had to drive from one place to another. And um, anymore, this doesn't happen to me very much, but because um, most of the men that I work with are pretty, I want to say, they're just used to me and we're just colleagues and, and stuff. Well, but I found myself outside of my waters and Nobody wanting me to ride in the car with them because I was a woman. Mm. <laughs> and this was just two weeks ago. And it was just really weird. It was really weird. And I thought, okay. Um, so there will be conversations that will happen in all these cars today as people go from site to site. Mm. And I don't get to be a part of any of those mm. because I'm a woman. Mm. Um, that kind of stuff happens. And so unless you have champions, you'll, you'll end up being left out. Right. So what would you say to the, the female pastor, you know, that goes through that kind of thing? Because I think it's natural to feel anger, um, to feel left out, to feel those emotions. How do you manage those without becoming bitter uh, when it seems to be, when it happens all the time? I mean, you know, it, it's, it happens a lot. So how, what would you, what would your advice be to keep um, our emotions from getting the best of us to um, not go into the bitterness and anger? Well, I think sometimes you just have to find a positive workaround. Mm-hmm. So, um I did find a positive workaround for me. I went up to a gal that I know that is the president of the Christian College Coalition, and she was riding with somebody else. And I said, I, I told her what happened. I said, would you like to ride with me today? Mm-hmm. And so we actually rode together for two days, and we had a great time. Mm-hmm. And we were <laughs> kind of like, 
okay, we can find our own workaround and we're going to make it really positive and we're going to have a good time together. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to go, okay, maybe they don't, I don't know, maybe they don't get it, maybe they don't understand or whatever, but I can't let that win the day and I'm going to have to find a positive way to deal with it. That's good. That is really good. As a uh, male pastor, ordained elder, um, you know, I always want to make sure that I'm trying to do what I can do to support women in ministry. Um, unfortunately, you know, I don't know if that's always the case um, with some of my colleagues. Um, I, and I'm so thankful for the percentages and how they're going up. And so it shows me that the Church of the Nazarene is doing what it needs to do positively to try to have an effect on this. Um, but, man, um, I, I know you talked about champions but what would you say to maybe some people who aren't really being champions? Are, does the church, how are we creating accountability maybe in the church of the Nazarene for those who may need a little bit more, you know, assistance? I don't know. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Well, I think that some people don't think there's a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so. some people would say, what do I need to be a champion for? Mm. Or I remember years ago when we started the Nazarene Women Clergy Council and somebody said, well, why do, why do you need to do that? We don't have a men's clergy council. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wanted to say, yeah, you do. It's just everything you do. You know, so some people don't see it. My husband would say this. He said, I've learned so much about what happens to you and to the women he said because i'm married to you mm. and he said but had i not been married to you and had i not experienced it i don't think i would have believed it mm. and i i think that's true and so i want to give grace to those who who don't really get it however if you were going to give advice i would say you know um try to try to be intentional about imagining I don't know what this circumstance looks like or feels like to somebody else. Mm. Um, you know, when you go into a meeting, is it all males? Mm. Or um, how does everybody sit at this meeting? Or does anybody invite that lady to sit at our table with us? Mm. Um, you know, I think just that kind of stuff, the inclusion, the intentional inclusion, mm. um, and, and helping people to see that. Now, the best thing you can do is just model it so that it becomes normal. Mm-hmm. And so I think for you, it is just to be, okay, so how do I model that for people? How does that look normal for people? Okay, I can do that. Okay. And that's all I'm asking. That's, that's, that's all most women are asking for is, how does it look normal? We want it to look normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the way of the kingdom is, is equality and, and all of that. And so it should be, you know, just, just a normal thing as the way of the kingdom. And, uh, and that's what we talk a lot about on this podcast is, you know, the call of Jesus is to this equality, to this, we're all on the same playing field. And, um, and so that's beautiful. So thank you for sharing those words. Wow. Um, I was wondering too, you mentioned the 17%, um, the church of Nazarene is a global denomination. Um, we're all over the world and I love that about uh, the church of the Nazarene. So do you see, um, more women in any particular region than others, or is it pretty distributed throughout the world? Um, it is, it's not evenly distributed. There's some areas that are a little tougher than others. But I would say this, that they're being very intentional and working on it, even in those areas where it's tougher. Okay. Uh, we have probably more 
female district superintendents in Africa mm -hmm. on that region than we do anywhere else. Um, I'm kind of amazed at their acceptance of female leadership. Some countries are not as accepting, but others are very accepting. So, yeah, um, it is people have kind of gotten the idea that this is what it means to be Nazarene. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm really impressed with that. I, I recently got a video from the district superintendents in Brazil. There are 21 of them. And they are concerned enough that maybe people don't get it, that all 21 of them were sending me a video and asking me, when are you going to come be our general superintendent? We need you to come to Brazil and wow. ordain people because we need them to see it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is cool. That's very cool. Wow. Well, um, I have just another couple of questions. Um, I am the... Coordinator for the women clergy in the state of Georgia, and we have several women that are in the course of study, and they're just getting their feet wet in ministry. What would you, if you could just give a single piece of advice to these young women that are up and coming, that are just getting started, what would your advice be? My biggest piece of advice would be to spend time with Jesus and do everything you do out of your love and your motivation to serve Jesus. If we don't, we'll get frustrated by things that happen to us. But the call, this call, is for us to be ministers and to help bring people to Christ. And we always have to leave that call in the front of everything that we do. And so if doors don't open or you don't have maybe the church you thought you should or whatever, Nobody can take your call from you. Mm -hmm. Nobody can stop you from sharing the love of Christ in this world. Mm -hmm. And I would just encourage you, always let that be the first thing on the front burner. Mm -hmm. And what would you say as far as education? How important is education? Well, that's a really interesting question mm -hmm. about education. And so I might speak out of my mouth both ways. <laughs> first of all, I'm going to say this, that for any woman or minority, if you're going to be in a position of leadership, you almost have to have more education. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really encourage people to get the education that they need and to study hard. However, those degrees are not guarantees of anything. Right. And a degree is not a guarantee that the Holy Spirit is flowing through you and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. <laughs> one one side says, one side says, you know, I'm, I'm, you need to be educated with what you're doing because I really believe it's so important to know who we are. You need to know how to preach. You need to know how to share about your faith and articulate it really well. I think that's really, really important. But don't think that your degrees are the end all to end all. Right. Perfect answer. <laughs> Very good. Um, this may be a silly question, but is there a question that I have forgotten, uh, that I've neglected, that I should have asked, um, that you can think of? Well, sometimes I, people assume that maybe things have been easy for me mm. um, because I've ended up where I am. And so sometimes people will ask what the difficulties are, and I'm not really good at wanting to answer those. Right. 
maybe someday I'll write a book about that after everybody's gone to heaven. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I do want to say this, that even where I am, the road has not been easy. Mm-hmm. I believe the Lord has brought me to this place. But there have been times I've been hurt. There have been days I've been deeply wounded. But we have to let God work and, and heal through all that because if we're gonna if we're gonna hang in there and make a difference, we have to hang in there. And um, yeah, and someday maybe I'll tell some of those stories. But mm-hmm. I just want you to know it's not it's not always been easy. And you know, I, I will share even this. Even my father struggled with my call because my father thought that my call might make my husband look bad. Mm-hmm. or that I would overshadow my husband. And there's one moment that just sticks with me, and I was in England, and I was working on my Ph.D., and my husband had come along and was having vacation, and I had Skyped my parents that night, and at the end of the phone call, my dad said, just tell Chuck how proud I am of him. Mm. But okay, I'll tell Chuck how proud you are of him. Wow. Um, you know, and, and it was almost like, he was saying, well, I'm proud of him for putting up with you with what you're doing. And there was a little girl in me that wanted dad to be proud of me. Mm-hmm. Wow. But when I would succeed, my dad would always, instead of praising me for what I did, my dad would ask me, mm. how's your husband coping with it? Wow. wow. And it was, it was almost a feeling of, I can't tell dad if I did a good paper or I did a good presentation or I did this or that because if I did well, I almost thought my dad won't be happy with me. Mm. Now, my dad came around eventually, but he came around because my husband had to go have a talk with him. (laughs) A champion. Yeah. (laughs) He did. He had to sit my dad down and he had to say, Dad, this isn't good. He said, you can't be doing this to Carla. And he said, I need you to know I'm okay with what's happening. Mm. Wow. And my dad would say, oh, but, but you need to share your voice. And, and Chuck said, Carla's voice and my voice are pretty much the same voice. Yeah. Wow. And, he, and he said, Dad, the church needs to hear it from her voice, not from mine. Wow. Wow, your husband is so, a champion. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's a real champion. Real champion. Yep. Wow. So it hasn't been easy, but like you said earlier, um, God accomplishes his will and he's had his hand on you and he has opened doors for you and you have made a huge difference in the kingdom of God. Well, I I hope so. I want to do it for God's glory. That's for sure. Wow. God's glory. That's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. It's about God getting the glory, and um, you know, it's not about women in ministry just for the sake of having women in ministry. Right. It is about God calls women and men to reflect His glory. And is it? Yeah, and so when one doesn't get to do that, then that that's a problem. <laughs> but wow, there was so much good in this interview, and I just want to bring up the book again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Faithful to the Call, if you want to know more about women in ministry where they get a little more into the theological um, reasoning and and there's just more information. I could have talked to her for probably another hour, but uh, Faithful to the Call, I highly recommend. It's a great book. 
Absolutely. And there will be a link for that uh, in the description yeah. down below. So feel free to go check that out. Yeah. And we, just, won't, we won't get any kickbacks on that, but we just want to make sure we promote that book. And I just want to say thank you again to mm-hmm. Dr. Carla. That Absolutely. Awesome. So good. Yeah, and so uh, this is a special edition. Once again, we're dropping this on a Tuesday. Uh, our normal podcasts come out on Thursday. And so if you're not a normal listener, uh, usually what we do is we journey through the lectionary passages and kind of look at the stories of Scripture. Uh, today, we wanted to just kind of focus on uh, a person's story. And uh, hopefully we're going to be doing more of this down the road where we'll be able to drop an interview potentially on Tuesday, continue on with our normal podcast on Thursdays. Um, and so, uh, man, we're so glad that you listened uh, to Growing Hope Living Faith. If you would like to reach out to us, we do have a Facebook page. It's a Growing Hope Living Faith podcast. And um, we can go there and leave messages or do whatever you want to do. Um, we have then, email. Yeah, we also yeah. have an email address, absolutely, which is growinghopelivingfaith at gmail.com. You can reach out to us there. And uh, if you have comments, concerns, prayer requests, any of that kind of stuff, uh, feel free to reach out to us. And, uh, and we would love to hear from you there. Uh, but, man, thanks once again so much for listening. A special, special thank you to Dr. Carla Sundberg. And um, we hope that you enjoyed uh, today's podcast. Grace and peace. God bless. Bye-bye.